Come on, guys. We turned out okay. The Modern Parent's Guide to Old School Parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Today's guest is going to be a huge help for you in your daily life so long as you have children old enough to use screens of any sort. He is the president of web design company Ashdown Technologies, which means that he builds websites for companies and people who need them. And as a result, he'll be able to answer questions that you might be having about your tech at home. But that's not how I know today's guest. For nearly 20 years, he and his wife have been close friends of ours. We've played tennis together. We've swam together. We've gone on hikes together. We've gone on vacation together. We've gone on hikes while on vacation together. <laughs> They've got two great kids. And as a result, when our families get together, it's super fun for everybody. And I'm so glad he He's joining me today. I know we will have lots to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rich Stearman. Welcome, Rich. Good morning. How is everybody? Oh, I'm sure everybody is great because they're <laughs> listening to you. Um, I will get into technology and that kind of stuff, um, you know, the kind of help that parents need with it. But first, I have a specific question to ask you. Sure. <laughs> Do you remember a long, long time ago, the very first time that you and Kathy and our other friends, uh, Allie and Mike, watched Max? Do you remember that? Oh, when he absolutely. was a baby. Can you sh- can you share about that yeah, a little bit? Yeah, so uh, I think it was one of the very first times that you and uh, went out for a night out. Yes. And uh, so um, my wife Kathy and uh, our other friends came over, and it was a very interesting experience because <laughs> we didn't have kids at the time. Yeah. And they didn't have kids at the time either. You guys were sort of the first one of our group to have a to have a baby. Yeah. And uh, don't think he felt he must have recognized that we didn't know what we were doing because he was not a happy giver. <laughs> I feel like he was he was probably four or five months old, right? I mean, it yeah. was really one of the first yeah, times. Yeah, it was one of the earliest times I think that you guys had tried to go out just for the evening. And, and I think he might have been teething. I think one of the issues. I don't think it really. He wasn't like, "Who the heck are these people taking <laughs> care of me?" I think it's probably more like, "I'm hurting," and yeah. and you know, you guys. Yeah. I feel like I remember. One of you, I think it was you, telling me about commando crawling under his crib to try to get his yes. binky so that he could... That's right. So I went upstairs to check to see if he was okay. And he wasn't... He was not real happy. Um, and then I noticed that he had lost it. So I did. I actually got down on the floor. I, didn't, I figured if he saw me, he probably we'd have to start the whole process all yeah, over again. Yeah. So I did. I actually got down on the floor, you know, like I was in uh, Crawling Through the Jungles. And yeah. I actually got it and, and was able to give it back to him. But, Thank goodness. It, it was it was definitely trial by fire, but I remember us all feeling like we were there to deal with this and how could three adults be defeated by this one little child. Yeah. And we certainly didn't want you guys, if you called in asking how things were going, for him to be screaming and us to be crying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you I feel like you couldn't come home. You had to come home. We had to come home. I do remember checking in at one point. I think it was dinner and maybe out with friends or something like that. There was, it was a longer was. than a few hours. It yeah. was maybe four or five hours. And, and I remember checking in and I think I was talking to our friend Allie and she was like, oh, no, no, things are fine yeah. here. And then like she hangs up the phone and there's just screaming. And <laughs> You know, I think it's one of those funny things because, I mean, especially if babies are teething. I mean, babies cry and sometimes they're just not happy. And yeah. I think once you have, once you've had kids or if you've, had, you know, had a much younger sibling that was you remember ha- being around when you were a baby, your confidence level 
with, you know what, they might be crying, but they're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it's, this is not, I'm, I'm hurt uh, or I'm really sick. It's just, I'm just not happy. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, it, obviously a baby crying can be stressful, but if you ha- don't have your own children or you haven't had that experience, you feel more like I should be making this child happy. Yeah. If yeah. they're crying, I've there broken must be him. something wrong. Yeah. What have I done? Yeah. So I, I think we were all, we all felt that a little bit. And, uh, you know, now I think about it, you know, looking back on it now, and I probably would have felt a lot differently about it. You know, had you had, had, had we had, it's just, there's a confidence in having children yeah, yeah. Um, and having dealt with those situations yeah, at any number of times, yeah, you know, yeah. and, uh, I think particularly for men, uh, if they haven't had that experience and it wasn't yeah. like I didn't like little children, I yeah. thought they were wonderful, but there's this, there is a confidence that comes with having gone through that process once or more and you're the youngest too right like you are you the youngest or the oldest in your family i'm the oldest oh oh i don't know yeah i thought no no that's okay but my brother was my brother's three and a half years younger than me okay so so you weren't really doing a lot of holding and feeding and taking care of no no uh just enough just old enough to be disappointed that he wasn't ready to play as soon as (laughs) (laughs) what the heck he's supposed to play that's right i came across a picture of max holding baby jay in the hospital um Mm. I don't know. I came across it a couple weeks ago, and I was just like, "Oh, like the, there's there's a picture that somebody took, and the expression on Max's face is like just pure joy." Yeah. And um, I like to think that for the most part, it's pure joy now that they're sixteen and twelve. You know, <laughs> but it isn't. It isn't always. Um, but they they work things out. They're yeah. they're okay together. Yeah. I you know I think there's always going to be some level of um, rivalry, especially if you have two children. Yes. Um, and so it's always going to go back and forth. I mean, my boys are. 14 and 13 and um Ethan will be 15 in just a month or month and a half so Gosh, um you know but and they have their little squabbles but for the most part they get along really yeah. well yeah um and that's a nice thing yeah it is it's a it is a really good thing and so Ben um you know when Ben was uh eight I think he lost his dad mm-hmm. they, their dad died of leukemia and um he had an older brother, ha- has an older brother, and they have a really good relationship now. But there were some really trying years there. And sure. I, I think to the point where Ben was kind of like, wow, what will two boys be like? I don't know. And mm-hmm. um, and like, f- but from the get-go, Max was so... We, I remember when he was three, we, we, we I got pregnant. And um, I remember saying to him as I'm... It's getting clear and clearer that I'm having a baby. And I remember saying to him one night at dinner, we were like, well, you're going to have a you're going to have a baby and, and, uh, you know, in our family and, and Max was overjoyed. And then the next thing we were really worried about was when it turns out when he had to find out that the baby was going to share his room because we only had two bedrooms. Right. And again, he was thrilled. He thought it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Um, and I, so that, I mean, if that's your attitude going into it, I think that's really good. And he definitely had his jealousy issues and sure. stuff like that. So, sure. um, but I'm, I'm still, I'm thinking about another moment that what we were talking about before when you were talking about, uh, taking care of Max for the first time. Mm. Um, that was making me think of when we went on the one year we went on vacation together and Max was like one, I think. Yes. I think it was like the following summer. It was. And um, you see, so you guys didn't, you guys didn't have Ethan yet. Um, and there was this day that we went to, do you remember going up to that place? It was called like, the castle in the clouds or yes. something it's some yes and it's right near the Poland absolutely do it's like on that. the Poland spring grounds mm-hmm. there's just this really neat place to kind of whatever walk around and and that's that's right some beautiful views we have some real we have some pictures from there yeah some beautiful views and there was a um, a pond that had a bunch of fish in them yeah that yeah. you could actually feed yeah and, 
And there was this like tram sort of shuttle thing yeah. and Max fell asleep in your arms on that. I feel like That's, we have pictures of that. I, we do. I have a picture. And yeah. It's, it's pretty sweet. And, yeah. And it's a nice juxtaposition to, <laughs> to the first story where he was anything but, but comfortable and falling asleep on my shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And of course, he's you know, totally looks like a totally different person just, you know, six or eight months later. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, little little roundy guy, but sitting up and, yeah. and yeah. interacting and. We had a uh, we had a picnic on the on the grass yeah, on the ground. That was awesome. Yeah, that was a really beautiful yeah, day. Yeah, that was yeah, that was super that fun. Was a lot of fun. But yeah, you know, and it's interesting too because that's how I feel. You know, now I think about it and I think you know that's exactly how I feel about you know little kids. You know, just being able to snuggle in with them and them. You know, when they snuggle in, they put their head right up. Yeah. You know, sort of into the crook of your neck, and then for them to feel comfortable enough to fall asleep. That's a very peaceful feeling yeah you know, yeah because you know they're they're not thinking about all the warriors of the world and so all they care about is you know i just want to be comfortable yeah and yeah. so if you can provide them that it's a really nice feeling were you guys was kathy pregnant yet at that point if ethan was born the following march um if not it would have been really close. really soon yeah, yeah really close did, in. did yeah. did having that experience of like here's this kid asleep on my shoulder to make you feel like oh my god i could do this i could be a dad I, yeah i think so you know i think with each experience that you have with little ones um especially when it goes well yeah um it increases your confidence yeah um i, I think any it's always different when it's your own children so oh absolutely you know yeah. there's there's this uh, I know at the end of the day, if it, things aren't going well or he woke up and wasn't happy, that mom and dad were there to hand him back to. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, <laughs> when, when you true. have your own, the only piece of like you can hand it to is your wife uh, or your partner. So um, it's uh, it's a little different in that respect. But yeah, I think all of the experiences that you have, um, you know, if they were all negative then you, you might would, be like, hmm. you might be like, hmm, this isn't something I really want to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, like the difference between so before we had kids. Uh, I, I mean, I worked with them, so I knew them, sure. but, but Ben was a little bit like, what am I going to do if like he, or he, you know, if our baby, like, kind of like if I can't stand our child because he won't shut up or something right. like that. And, and when, when Max was really small, I think he was like three months old or even younger, Ben went on a business trip mm. and, um, previous business trips or previous flying experiences you're always like that kid that person without kids who's like oh god there's a kid screaming on the plane and and ben said that there was he when i got to talk to him you know when he when he landed and whatever he was like there was the cutest baby on the plane it was like a completely different mindset now that you've got you've got your own child you know absolutely yeah i know it really it does change your focus entirely yeah yeah, it really in a good way. In a in good a, way. Oh, absolutely, in a good way. So, so soon after, you know, you got to kind of experience parenthood at least a little bit removed, you know, because because sure. good friends are having kids. You and Kathy had started having kids, and right. so I'm just wondering what has what was that experience like for you? Um, it was the. It's interesting because the first one, um, Ethan, mm-hmm. uh, was for me. It was both joyous and stressful at the same time. Um, I, I just was really, there were certain things that I guess I really just didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, well, everybody says bundle of joy and there's all these, obviously all of these, these happy feelings. There's trepidation as well. You know, you've never done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you've gone to 12 years of school to learn how to become the best parent you can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They give you six baby classes yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not, ex- not exactly something that prepares you in life for the experiences that you're going to have. Yeah. So 
Um, so I think I probably stressed out about it more than I should have done. Um, and every experience you're having, you're experiencing it for the first time. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those, it's one of those funny things, the speed with which that went from trepidation to you get a little bit of a time and experience under your belt, Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, this is, this is fun. Yeah. And the first few months I, I think were hard because, you know, the truth is that the babies don't give you a lot back. No. They're not showing you anything, <laughs> emotion, don't. you know, as far as you're concerned, you don't know if they love you or hate you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's not really their job. Uh, their job is just to grow to the certain point. But once you get to that point where they give you that first real smile and yeah. you start getting those reactions and obviously they're, it's very genetically ingrained because it, it gives you this amazing feedback. You know, yeah. usually a smile is a, is you know just a great thing. And when it comes from your own child, because of something you've done, it just it yeah reinforces those things really, really strongly. Yeah. So, um, in very short order, it became it felt very natural. Yeah. Um, and I uh, mean, watching that, I can say that that certainly is how it looked. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you know, and I think back on it now, and I remember my parents saying, you know, try to try to appreciate it as hard as it is because these. This period of time when they're this little and you can hold them like that and the way that they are just it doesn't last yeah and they were absolutely right and i you know we took a lot of pictures which was good mm-hmm. and, because that helps i think to cement memories uh in a way that is hard to do just with your own memory yeah yep. um because and i think over time you you tend to forget the bad and you remember the good yeah uh, which is important because if you didn't you probably wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't do it again yeah yeah um but uh, yeah, no. When I think back on it now, um, just the amount of time that we that we spent doing things uh, with Ethan and and just the experience was overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, despite the fact that they don't remember it, um, I absolutely believe that their their experiences that they have when they're in that period of time clearly help to formulate how they interact and how they feel when they get older. You know, I'm talking older, maybe a year or two years, because yeah. how they've how they've experienced life and the people around them to that point clearly helps to build on to eventually to a point where they do remember things. Yeah, and how that foundation is set to me is probably underestimated by a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, um, and the environment that they're in, whether it's whether it's happy and nurturing or whether it's you know constantly you know yelling or or not nurturing. Um, those kinds of things. Yeah. When you talk about foundations, I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes me think of um, it, as a human development um, major, you know, in college. Um, I think it's Eric Erickson's hierarchy. There's, there's, or these, there's these different stages of development by, mm-hmm. you know, sort of documented by a child psychologist. And sure. I, I'm pretty sure it's Eric Erickson. But the the first phase is called basic trust versus mistrust. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like that's so. It is so basic and so, but it's so clear, especially, I mean, like everything, it's so clear in hindsight when you're in the middle of it and you're <laughs> like, your emotions are a mess and, and you're sort of like confronting parenthood and being responsible in a way that you really never thought that. I remember thinking like, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be like this, you know, right, no right. amount of book reading or talking to other parents can really prepare you for the experience of going through it on your own. Right. But it, it also makes me think of um, a quote that I just I just heard. I think it was in a paper, actually, but it's written by Einstein, Albert Einstein, mm. who said, um, and it's long, you know, I'm not going to remember it all, but um, it's something like, 
there's two kinds of people in the world. There's people who believe that the world is, that the universe is a friendly place. And if you believe that the universe is a friendly place, then, then there's all of these, all these resources that you have, any tools, any technology, anything that you have, um, you're going to use those in a, in a way that builds connections and kind of fosters more, more friendliness and trust. Sure. <clears throat> Pardon me. And if you believe that the world, that the universe is an unfriendly place, then you're any technology, any skills, any knowledge you have, you're going to put that into like shoring up your walls. Absolutely. You know, and he doesn't say it in exactly that way, but, no, but, that's, the gist. Um, but that's the message. And I yeah. feel like it really starts, you know, but no pressure listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, so I, I don't tell this story too, too often, but it actually, I, I ended up putting it in my, um, in my book, um, which is called positive discipline into tactics. And it's, it's for parents, like, so that they've got some everyday tools that they can use. Mm. But I did put the story in there, but, and you may remember this, um, when Max turned, this is like a really low point for me, low moment for me here, mm. uh, a, definitely a parent fail. Um, he turned three and I had, oh, I'd cut out stuff and I'd hung it around his bed and I'd done all these things. And he woke up much earlier on his third birthday than, than he usually did. Mm-hmm. And he, so it was like early. I don't even think it was light yet. And this, we're talking August here. Sure. And um, he came into my room and he was like, he was like, mama, you know, yay. And I, whatever. And I was like, go back to bed. Like I totally shut him down. I didn't yell at him. I didn't smack right. him, but I was like, no, you know, it's way too, too early. early. Go back to bed. And so I kind of like, forced my way back into a pissed off sleep and Ben got up with him and um I remember waking up like a couple hours later and I could hear them downstairs at breakfast and I was like oh my god like all he wanted to do was share about his birthday and all these things that I had done for him and like I completely did not do that you know what I mean right and um I remember lying there in bed and being like that will never happen again if my Mm -hmm. kid needs me and if he has something to share, I'm not going to shut him out so that I can get more sleep. I mean, it's just, I felt like the most selfish creature, you know? It's so difficult, isn't it? You know, because sometimes, especially if we're tired or we get hit at a particular time, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, or even if it's coming on towards morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the way that you would handle something in that split second is about, it's hard not to be selfish about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably one of the most important lessons I think that having children has taught me. Mm-hmm. I was always concerned that I would that I would have a lack of of patience, uh-huh. um, or you know that you I would be more focused on myself, um, or that it, or maybe not so much focused on myself, but not want to do whatever it was that they wanted to do. Uh huh. Well, I mean, how many times can you sing Bob the Builder? Yeah, you know, right, or exactly. Or, you know, or anything. And especially when the kids are little, they do. They like to repeat the same things over. And over. <laughs> especially if they get a good reaction the first time, that yeah. must mean you want to do it 50 more times yeah. after that. Yeah. Um, but I think that it, with, with age and experience and having them and then watching them grow, uh, it instilled a certain a level of patience that I didn't expect. And, yeah. um, it isn't just then when they ask you to do something that you do it because you want to do it. You do it because you know it's important to them. Yeah, um, yeah. And it can be the same thing with a with a story. I mean, they can be telling me a story about something that I really don't know anything about. It's not something that I'm particularly interested in, but it's interesting to them and it's important to them. Yeah. And so it's important to me. Yeah. Because if they're taking the time to tell me about it, it means something to them. Yeah, yeah. And... 
I when I look back on it, I don't want to look back at it with regrets that I, that I had a lot of opportunities to listen to something that was important to them or to participate in something that they were interested in or was important to them and have said no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because in the end, usually it would have been for a selfish reason and the benefit to them in the end is more rewarding than probably whatever it is yeah. that I might have been doing at the time. I wonder, do, does that come from empathy? Do you think like at I, you as a parent? I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And I do think that how you've been dealt with by your parents or grandparents mm. or by those people around you definitely shapes that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is there is a uh, an inherent ca- capacity for empathy in everybody that's higher or lower. Yeah. So my uh, Ethan, our older son, has been such an empathetic child, was such an empathetic child, even when he was very, very mm-hmm. little. If somebody was sad around him, he was sad. Mm-hmm. He picked up on it and he was very caring. He always, if he noticed somebody was um, upset or not not happy it was very clear that that it bothered him yeah um and he would come over and try to see if it was everything was okay mm. and even though he's almost 15 now he's still the same way yeah yeah um you know for some reason you know th- something there's a, a, a conflict between one of us in the house it affects him it yeah. really does yeah and uh and so I do think that there is there is a, a big empathetic factor yeah in the way that people d- are dealt with but um it's definitely how you've been treated, especially in your formative years. You know, yeah. if everything has always been a scold, if everything was always, you know, I don't understand why it is that you're feeling this way. You just need to snap out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, you know, it's okay to feel upset sometimes, or, you know, it's great that you, that this is making something that makes you happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially in these days, I think everybody could use a little extra dose of empathy, know, of empathy. Of understanding where everybody so else is coming from. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and I, I think, I think all four of our kids are really full of empathy, and I feel like that's something I've always noticed. Um, mm. And recently, I mean, just you're th- talking about like sort of in these days. So YouTube is a huge thing in our house. I'm sure it is yes, in yours is. with teens and tweens. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Everyone, I'm really glad that we have the kind of relationship with our kids where they will tell us stuff, either stuff that they think is funny or stuff that they're curious about or whatever. Sure. Um, and so I guess probably about a year or so ago, Jay started coming to me when he was maybe 11. And he'd be like, Mom, I just saw the funniest thing on YouTube. And so he's describing this hilarious thing. Mm. And it's it's not hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's really upsetting, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and like I'm try- I can't even think of, an, of a good example, but something like you know, you're watching somebody break their leg and it's, and, and, you know, so people post just awful things. Absolutely. And, um, and so now I'm thinking like, okay, well, I can't forbid him to watch YouTube. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't put the barn back in the, I can't close the door or whatever, (laughs) however that expression goes now that you can't put the horse back in the barn. Yeah. And so what do I do? And I, and I've, I've kind of been the way that I've been handling it is I don't say to him, like, I don't want you to watch that stuff because I think that's going to make him want to watch it more. I'll say like, wow, you know, imagine if that was me, like, I would feel horrible if that was me or whatever. And I I mean, my impression is that he's coming around like he'll, Mm -hmm. he'll sort of sometimes he'll say, well, you know, well, I'm a gamer. So I I, I kill a lot of aliens. Um, But then but then, like, he'll that's how he'll say he'll think himself as a tough kid, like Mm -hmm. he, he kills a lot of aliens or whatever. But then he like, we have to kill a bee or something in the house. And he gets so sad about that. You know, I mean, and and what we recently had a conversation i had this i was talking to him and i said well 
you're a kid with so much empathy. Oh, I know why. There's a video game that they play. Um, I can't remember which one it is, but one of the characters you can play as is this like sort of like the world never works out for him. Like mm-hmm. if there's a practical joke, it's going to be played on this character. Nobody yeah. came to his his birthday party or something like that. I mean, right. it's it's a robot, but there's he had a birthday party. And nobody came and Jay was like, oh, I'm so sad. It's like so it's so hard to see that. And I'm like, well, Jay, sure. that's because you have a lot of empathy. And he's like, mm-hmm. he goes, no, I don't. I kill aliens all the time. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> that's like he doesn't even understand what it is and he yet he has right. he has so much of it so yeah. um i like all sort of all of our conversation um has really just reinforced what i really wanted to get into next which is like i've always loved watching you with the boys mm-hmm. um i can remember being at a birthday party here and there was some plane we live right near a small airport right and um you guys like knew you knew the planes overhead based mm-hmm. on like how they looked from underneath or whatever and i can remember you and the kids um, just like naming them and talking about them. And I was like, I always wondered, was that something that you were really into or 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 did it come from the kids, you know? It's kind of interesting. Um, my last name is Stearman. Mm-hmm. And while I have no relationship to the person who actually invented them, the there was a man named Lloyd Stearman who actually um, designed a biplane that was used extensively in World War uh, training for pilots wow and it's called the steerman and so um and it was actually there it was originally it was finally bought by boeing um so that the steerman aircraft company was was bought by boeing Mm -hmm. so the occasionally people would actually know our last name and know how it was spelled because of this not again no relationship yeah uh, but cool but cool anyway just to have a name that uh, that was relatively unusual um that people didn't know yeah so um so there was always this kind of connection with 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 airplanes um, just because of that and just because of the connection. And then um, my both of my parents were born and raised in England. And then they moved over here because of my dad's work. And mm-hmm. so uh, my first plane trip on a jet was when I was three weeks old. Um, and so, and I remember, well, I don't remember the three week old one, but we went over pretty frequently because all my family was over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's and a so, long trip for a little kid. It's a long trip for a little kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I got really uh, used to uh seeing being on planes and and it didn't it, so it was something that when i was old enough to remember i used to get really excited when we were going to the airport mm-hmm. um and i remember we would go on british airways and they actually had a uh, a picture that they gave to the kids that had all the various different models of plane that they flew and what they were all about oh, and the engines they had awesome. and so i got really pretty familiar with all of these various different types of planes mm-hmm. um not that I'm a pilot, uh, not that not that I'm uh, as an adult, I'm super into flying or anything like that now. But I, I always found that was very interesting. And yeah. then on top of that, my dad was uh, was always very interested in, in planes. In fact, he moved around a bunch when he was in England. But one of the times he actually was basically living right next to uh, a Royal Air Force, an RAF base. And one of his friend's fathers was a test pilot. And so he actually got to go up in a few of these planes just him his friend and the friend's father and so you know he had all of these experiences around planes and so my dad has always been interested he's always like he's had books about planes Mm -hmm. and and liked watching documentaries about planes especially Mm -hmm. ones that he remembered from when he was young so uh there's no question that that part of it came I, i come by that from a from sort of a historical perspective in my own family um 
But then I just always think that despite the fact that plane travel is a very natural, normal thing, when you look up in the sky and you see this thing that you know weighs hundreds of tons <laughs> and it's flying overhead and there are all these people up there. And yeah. I think there's still a sense of, of wonderment, especially amongst little ones. Yes. Uh, about about flying. Yeah. You know, you think about the number of times that you might have had a dream about flying where you could fly just yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. Or you look at birds, you think, oh, it'd be so nice just for one day to be yeah. able to fly. And so I think there's this real wonderment about it because it's something that naturally we're not able to do. Yeah. Um, and, and so being able to share that sort of wonderment with little ones uh, or with the younger ones anyway and explaining to them a little bit about it. Is, yeah. Uh, you know, I I just I think that that's something to it's fun to share. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a it's really cool. And it's it's neat. I love that there's a there's a generational kind of perspective here. Yeah, you know, uh, absolutely. It's not it wasn't just one of the kids interested in it. It's sort of like a kind of a passion that you guys all. Have yeah, exactly. Together. Yeah, that's Very exactly cool. right. My dad, um, I don't know if you knew this, my dad became a pilot before they went out to Colorado. My dad was a licensed that. pilot. Yeah. He, um, towards the end of his career at Sun Life, he, uh, he was, I think burned out is a pretty, pretty safe mm-hmm. thing. You know, his last five, six, maybe even 10 years there, he, he cleaned up a lot of messes as the vice president of customer service. Mm-hmm. And, um, like he needed something that was just adventurous and fun and, sure. um, and you couldn't always ski, certainly not in the East. You can only ski for three or four months out of the year, which is my dad eventually retired to become a ski instructor. But um, while those last three or four years, maybe he um, he spent a lot of time flying out of the Marlboro Airport, um, you know, right oh, near okay. where we lived in Ashland, sure. and, um, which is one of the toughest. Turns out it's one of the toughest airports in the country to get your license in because there's there's a very short runway with a lot of trees or something at the end of it. So like you don't have a lot of time to take (laughs) off and land. (laughs) So he was like, if I can do this here, I can do it anywhere. And then, and then he did, he, he flew Ben and I around once. Um, I think there was a, there was a co-pilot or there was a, I don't think he was fully licensed yet, but Mm -hmm. he was the, you know, he was kind of in charge of the plane. And then we have a friend, um, actually BJ Kavicki, um, our friend Ali's mom, um, who was like, when Arthur gets his license, I'm totally flying with him. And they flew to the Cape one day. Really? Yeah, they got in a plane and flew to Cape Cod, wow. just the two of them. And um, and then they flew back. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they maybe had lunch or something there. And then they sure. came back. And um, I just always love that. I, I think that's such a great attitude. Because I was kind of like, oh, my God, my dad in charge of a plane? Is that really okay? And um, But it was. You know, he did, he did great. And then mm-hmm. when they moved out to Colorado, they decided that he didn't have – you needed a special rating because of the um, – because of the elevation, oh, you know, sure. there's like mountains and sure. stuff. And I feel like just after they moved there, John Denver crashed in a plane. That's I was going to say, and, that was about the same yeah, time. Yeah. And he was like, okay, maybe. And actually, maybe just before they moved out there, um, John F. Kennedy Jr. crashed in a plane. That's right. So a lot of like, uh, and you know what else? Right around there, um, somebody landed somebody tried to land a plane on 495 mm-hmm. because they were they were having it and actually that was one of my sister-in-law's relatives oh, really? um and i don't think anybody made it like i think that was really rough so there yeah. were these sort of things but um anyway i don't know how i get into <laughs> 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 let's have a tea break <laughs> yes i think a tea break is definitely it's a good it's a good idea <laughs> anyway i don't know how sometimes sometimes conversations go where you don't necessarily know that they will but that's really good i, I personally think so too I well think. if you talk with people long enough you know the people that you have a connection with because you have those conversations that flow like that yeah yeah if you don't have that relationship with people or you just don't connect 
you typically have this one conversation about one topic and then it stops. Yeah. And yeah. then there's that sort of little like uncomfortable pause, moment yeah, where you're thinking about what is the next thing that I can bring up because I don't like the like yeah. the silence. Yeah. Um, and we're lucky that that never happens. We are. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's definitely not going to be a problem for the two of us, no. certainly. Um, or the four of us, really. Exactly. So your Ashdown Technologies is a family business. That's absolutely family business. Um, yes. And Kathy, not only is it like your dad started the company, now you're running it, um, but Kathy has a role there as well, right? She does, She's... yeah. So she, her background is in accounting. Yeah. Um, and in fact, she has an MBA uh, with a concentration in accounting. Mm-hmm. And so after we had our boys, she didn't want to work full time. Uh, she wanted to be a mom primarily, but she also didn't want to completely lose track of all of the work that she had done. And so um, at the time, my dad was had been doing the books for the company and the company was increasing in its size and it really wasn't something that he wanted to have to continue to do long term. And so Kathy said, uh, you know, that would be something that I would be interested in doing. Mm -hmm. And so back around 2001 or so, she actually took over the, basically the bookkeeping for the company, dealing with the payroll and taxes and all of the other things that need to be done with with accounts receivable and accounts payable and so forth. Um, And that's continues to be what what her role is. That's so cool. Um, And it's great because as technology has improved, it means that she doesn't necessarily have to physically be at the office in order to do the job. Yeah. And so uh, it means that if she wants to go in and check something out at 730 at night, she can just go remotely into her computer at the office, sign into QuickBooks and can check out and something. And do it. And, yeah. Uh, so that's made it really flexible. And basically the, the only stipulation in terms of time was as long as the job's getting completed and you know, people yeah. are being paid and people are being paid and the taxes are being paid. Um, and, and, you know, paychecks are being handled and so forth. If that takes you 10 hours a week, that's great. If it takes you 12 or it takes you eight, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and so it's given her a ton of flexibility to be able to do what she wants to do. Yeah. It's kept her hand in dealing with accounting, relatively simple accounting. This is not fortune 500 type accounting, but it is still doing accounting. Um, and it means that, uh, and there's a little bit of additional income that comes along with that as well as doing that job. So, um, and actually as, as she's, as I've taken over the company just in the, just in the last sort of six months. Mm, Congratulations. um, Thank you. Uh, I'm more dependent upon her than ever because I never did the books. My dad had to do the books because at one point there wasn't anybody else. He was the only person. So he had to learn about how to deal with all of those things. And I didn't have to do that. Yeah. And I don't have a background in business accounting in terms of doing certain things. And so um, I said to Kathy, I said, you know, if I'm going to take this on, one of the things that's going to be really important to me is to be able to lean on you and your understanding of how the books work mm-hmm. um, to be sure that, you know, that if I have a question, we can we can answer that question properly. Yeah. Um, and it, has, it hasn't been a big issue. And I do understand it to a degree, but I don't have a degree in accounting. Yeah. I mean, you want an expert. You got to, your wife is an expert. Uh, that's right. That's exactly right. And so it's a great pairing from that perspective yeah. because she's intimately familiar with those books. And, uh, and so I can ask her a question just about any time. You know what one of my favorite Kathy stories is? Sure. That the kids file <laughs> at home. I love that so much. <laughs> like we've started doing that with our kids because, mm-hmm. because of what she was like one day, she's like, I was looking at a big pile of papers that needed to be filed. And I was like, you know what? Guess what, kids? This is what we're doing today. Because <laughs> then you end up with kids who understand filing. Yeah. It sounds like a simple thing, but it's actually organizational skills in that respect are, are uh, amazingly, uh, n- there's something that's not taught 
No. You don't get it in school. Yeah. Yeah. You, if your parents don't tell you how to do it. Yeah. Um, now, of course, uh, with their generation being so electronically focused, it's uh, I can see more and more that th- within a generation or maybe two, there isn't going to be a lot of paper to file because everything's going to be all electronic. I Yes, but I mean, when I think about like, so Jay um, has been saving and saving and saving and saving and he finally just, so he's been, I make him keep in a, a, in a real account, like mm-hmm. on a, on paper of sure. how much is coming in, where it's going, what it's being allocated for, whatever. Right. And um, it's, it's very simple. But uh, last week he got to purchase $310 worth of paints, brushes, and um, models to, to create uh, something called Warhammer. Oh, it's like to play the this. game Warhammer. He showed to me yeah, a ago yeah, here. yeah. He's he's been he loves these things and they appeal to him so much. Um, and as we're so now I'm like okay, you've just ordered this thing. Now it's time to you know he hands me the money right, right. and then yeah. I said okay, now you need to you need to indicate that you have done this and and sure. um and he's so he writes the date and he writes what he spent it on and he writes how much and he figures out how much he's got left blah 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 and he looks up at me and he says you know what I could be an accountant someday and and what I was thinking was really because like he's he's so incredibly he's so disorganized i mean mm-hmm. like there will be months where he'll go to get his envelope to put his money in for the for that month and he's like i can't find the envelope where did i where can i find it and it's like right where he left it but he just didn't see and right. i feel like um just to your point um there's always going to be a need for organization um and it's maybe not it won't be filed in the same way but if my 12 year old can say boy i could be an accountant now there's a there's a way for me to say okay it's any other kind of organization is just like this you just have to you just have that to kind true. of think of it that way that so. is true and and getting people to understand the value of money yes earn money and then understand where it goes the number of people that i knew in college who they got a checkbook for the first time and they just wrote the checks they didn't keep track of what they had in the account or anything and i thought you know it, how is it that you don't know like to do what this? if you run out <laughs> yeah what happens when the money runs out and you're still writing checks um and it just became it became very obvious to me that that's not something that they teach you in school yeah you know, there isn't a um personal finance 101 i mean maybe there should be but yeah uh, you know uh, it, it's not something that happens and so if your parents don't teach you how to deal with money and the value of the money and, mm-hmm. and going through that process, what reason do you have to know? Yeah. And uh, you see that, you know, people get in tremendous amounts of credit card debt, especially in college, oh, and yeah. that kind of thing, long before they really understand what they're doing. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's a shame. It's it's something that is definitely lacking. If you don't get it from your parents, where do you get where it? Where are you going to get it from? Yeah. You know, unless you happen to have an own personal interest, which I don't know too many kids that are interested in watching YouTube videos about personal finance. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, it, it just, that's just, it's not natural. It's not something that comes naturally. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you're so. right. You're right. When I was in high school, I got to take a class. Um, account- I took accounting one, one year and accounting two, the second mm-hmm. year. I think, did I take accounting two? Am I making that up? I might be making that up. I don't remember. Right, I believe you. No, I think I did though. So we had this great teacher named Mr. Massey. And what I remember about him is mostly we learned accounting, mm-hmm. you know, um, we learned about debits and credits and how to enter stuff in and what to do and all that kind of thing. But then every 
maybe every six or eight weeks, he would be like, okay, just put your books away. And he would sit on his desk and he would like tell us about life. It was awesome. He'd be like, if you're going to start a business, start a business near home because you know people and you know, you know, the whatever. It's just like he just had all this wisdom that he would sort Mm -hmm. of impart. And I'm like, I love that. Um, again, a total aside that has nothing to do with anything, but, but still fun to, fun, you know, kind of fun to talk about. Absolutely. Um, and just bringing back to like, so, you know, Kathy does the books, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you do? What, how has your role changed? Because you, you were not, you haven't been president for too, too long. I haven't. Um, the role hasn't changed as much as it might otherwise seem. So, um, I worked with my dad at Ashdown Technologies for basically a little over 16 years. The two of us worked on it together continuously. Now, when I was in college, I was actually doing a little bit of web design work. Mm -hmm. But then I went off and worked somewhere else for probably four or five years. So was your major in computing or computer software? No, it was actually in psychology. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, absolutely nothing to do with that at all. It's somewhat to my dad's chagrin because... He always saw my technical capability and my interest in technical, and he says I should have pushed you harder, but I didn't want to push you when you know when you're a teenager and you think you know what you want to do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and in fact, I started out loving biology, and so that's what I started off in school in. Mm-hmm. And then when we got started doing the nitty gritty of biology, I didn't like that just as much as just learning about just general biology. Mm-hmm. And so I said, if I'm not going to be a doctor and I don't want to do research, what else am I going to do with yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and psychology was tremendously interesting to me, and so that's what I ended up doing. But it obviously had absolutely nothing to do with uh, what I do now on a regular basis. I think it lent me probably an understanding of people, yes. but, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, obviously, I made it, made it obvious because my, my professor of my senior year, when I was doing my senior project at Clark University, started asking me if I could look at his IBM PC to see if he could figure out what was wrong with it. And I, mean, I think back on it now, I must have made it very obvious that I was interested in all of this technical uh-huh, stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and so it, it was kind of interesting. But uh, basically, a, most of what I have learned and what I do now is is actually either self-taught or were things that my, my dad helped me to, to learn mm-hmm. back when I first got started doing what I'm doing now. Um, and the truth is that I learn in a self-taught way really easily. Um, I know I see a problem. I know what the tool, as long as I know what the tools are, mm-hmm. uh, I will just figure it out. And sometimes it takes a lot of banging the head against the wall, uh, <laughs> but eventually it goes in. And uh, so that's, um, that's really ended up where it, where it went. So, yeah. um, but getting back to what the question that you asked, basically what happened was that about a year and a half ago or so, uh, my dad said that he was really feeling like he was ready to ready, ready. Reti- to retire. Uh, he was going to get to the age where, um, you know, the uh, Social Security was going to be maximized mm-hmm. for him. And and so he decided that 70 was going to be, that was going to be basically when he retired. And so what ended up happening was a very, nor- a very easy, natural transition started to happen where I started being more of a presidential role than I than a vice presidential role, and I'd obviously seen what he was doing, and I'd been very intimately involved in mm-hmm. understanding where the what the finances of the business were and so forth. So, and he also had started going down to Florida for three months in the winter time because mm-hmm. they bought a house down there near my brother, and so it there were periods of time where I was the head person that was physically in the office. He yeah. was still in charge. Yeah, but uh, it meant that there was this very comfortable natural progression, so that when he left. Well, there's definitely a hole. There's no question, you know, that it's different. Yeah. Um, it isn't like suddenly the, you know, uh, I was inaugurated as the president and suddenly 
I had all of this power yeah. that wasn't there before. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I had the opportunity to do things that I thought were the right thing to do. I didn't necessarily always have to check with him to make yeah. certain those were, you know, that he approved of those yeah. things. And yeah. the truth was that I, I've talked to a lot of people that said they couldn't work with their parents. They just couldn't do it. Uh, even if they have a good relationship with them, we got along really well. Uh, cool. doesn't mean we didn't have our disagreements like anybody does. Yeah. Um, but uh, we had a generally similar outlook on the way that, that there was the right way to do things. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's also made it easy because we didn't, we had a shared vision for the way that we thought things ought to be done. Yeah, that's cool. That's really important. Yeah. It's like the Dread Pirate Roberts yes. in The Princess Bride. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that movie so much. I know. I haven't seen it now in a while. Yeah, I I last time I saw it was I think so I haven't been sick in a while like I haven't mm. that's usually my sick movie like I yeah. I want to watch that if I'm having a sick day. And uh the last one of those that I can remember was um it was when my hands were at their toughest. I I really I was having such a hard time, you know, pouring coffee, never mind. And it was mm. winter and I wanted I tried to help the boys shovel and and I just I couldn't help them so I ended up in tears. And Max basically he was like, no, you know what you need? You need hot chocolate and you need the Princess Bride. And he literally made me hot chocolate oh, and sat me down nice. in front of the Princess Bride. He was like, <laughs> I think he was probably 14, 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, talk about empathy. Yeah. You know, and yeah. both the boys, like when I think about that, because Jay will, Jay would hear me open the fridge and he'd be instantly. And again, he was probably like 10, 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. What do you need? Let me be your hands. You be the brain. I'll be the hands. And mm-hmm. uh, God, I'm such a lucky person. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. What else did I want to? I wanted to, um, you know, talk about Ashdown a little bit. And so at, uh, like, in a, you know, whether you're the president or not, like, do you guys actually sort of write code? Like, what do you, what do, you yeah, do over so there? It's, it's kind of interesting. It's it, one of the things that's neat about web design is that it's so much more than, than what you see on the face of any one particular mm-hmm. web page. So um, there are several different things that we end up doing uh, that are come from a variety of different disciplines. So there's graphic design work mm-hmm. where you're actually working with something like Photoshop. Yeah. Um, so you're making logos yeah, or mani- making logos or, or not necessarily always that, but manipulating people's graphics or mm-hmm. if they've got a nice picture, but it's got a blemish or, oh, yeah. you know, you just need to be able to crop an image down or resize a, a logo for, the, the, for somebody, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so there's that kind of piece. There's working with what are called content management systems. So we use one that's called WordPress, which... Uh, I'm very familiar with WordPress. WordPress is incredibly popular. Um, It actually powers about 20% of all of the websites these days. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we use that very extensively. Um, And so WordPress uses a lot of various different technologies to make itself actually do what it does. Uh uh Um, And we have servers that provide all of those necessary technologies. So... There is a database behind it. There's a lot of programming behind it. Mm-hmm. And then there's HTML, which is the code that, that websites are written in. And so it takes away a lot of the need to do the sort of mundane work yeah. that goes along with websites. It used to be that you'd have to sort of start out with not a blank sheet of paper, but relatively close to it. Mm-hmm. And you had to understand what an HTML tag was. And if you wanted something to be italic or you wanted it to be a link or you wanted yeah. it, you know, an image and you had to know how to structure all of that. And I still know how to do all of that. Yeah. But it's been sort of pushed down a layer. And yeah. so, so much of what these systems do now, and this is why it's so important, is that they make it very much more comfortable for 
the lay person to be able to actually edit and manipulate a mm -hmm, website, mm -hmm. or particularly the web page content. So there's an editor that I always call something that looks a little bit like a mini Microsoft Word. And you go in and you can edit and it's, you just type. And if you want something to be bold, you highlight it, you hit the bold. Yeah. That will be yeah, bold. Yeah. Now behind the scenes, those tags that I talked about are still being put in there. Yeah. But you don't have to think about it. It's been pushed down a level. Yeah. And so um, it's a little less interesting to actually do that part of the design work. Because now, now you're just highlighting and making, you're not, you're not writing whatever that open thing is and then the exactly. bold and then the end it, thing with the slash and exactly. whatever. Yeah. Yep. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So so there's that piece of it. But the, th the part that is really interesting is that, yes, I absolutely can write code. There's a very, very popular language, which WordPress has written in called PHP, mm -hmm. um, that started out basically as a, an open project for a guy that wanted to be able to do more with his website than just straight HTML code and has grown into this absolutely massive programming language that's mm, used cool. by a tremendous amount of the web. Yeah. Um, so that's what WordPress is written in. And so if you want to make WordPress do something that it doesn't do by do it by itself, that it doesn't do natively, there's this amazingly rich library of what are called plugins that are basically are there to help expand in a particular area. So somebody comes to you and says, I really need a library of files. There's a plugin for that. Mm -hmm. They say, I'd really like to show a slideshow of these photographs. There's a plugin for that. But what happens is sometimes there is a plugin for that. And so that's where our ability to code comes in because oh, now cool. we can actually go in and our company's done this, I've done it, and others in our company have done it, where they actually go in and they'll write a plugin for WordPress to actually do what it is that the customer oh, says they so want to cool. do. And that's a tremendously um, comfortable feeling to be able to know that if it doesn't, if you can't find what you need, that you can actually essentially invent what you need. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and make it do what it is that yeah. you need it to do. That's so cool. That's, I can't do that. Like... That is why someone like me would go to someone like you, right? Because, because um, you can say, oh, if you if that's what you wanted to do, and there isn't anything that can do it, well, we'll we'll just make something that does it. Exactly. You know, yeah. which is really really. And that's cool. a very liberating feeling because now you're not tied into just what the marketplace offers. You yes. can be the inventor. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you're still working within a framework. You're not necessarily stop starting from scratch. They give you this very rich framework that you can work with. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and sometimes it's something really simple that the customer wants to do. I had a customer the other day that they have a, they have a small shopping cart. Um, they actually sell um, headbands that they mm -hmm. that they produce. They have this, their own little company. It's doing really well. It's very gratifying to see it doing so well. That's so cool. Um, and they said, you know, right now it only shows twelve page twelve uh, items per page, and we'd like to make it so that if people really want to, they can show more than that. And it it just couldn't do that out of the box, and so. I wrote a little bit of code to make it so that it could do that. And, and <laughs> so now cool. they can do 15 per page or 20 per page or 25, or they can just say all, and it just shows all of them. Oh. It's a little thing, but it was important to them. Yeah, yeah. And so I was able to go it and that go and do it. And that's very gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to say to somebody, yeah, I can make that happen for you. I mean, I've had little things that I just wish so desperately, you know, could happen. I'm thinking of one, I have this community and, um, the people in the community get, I, so when you have something like this, you have email, mm -hmm. <clears throat> pardon me, you have you have your email, you have the community, which is kind of built in the WordPress site, but closed off, you, you have to pay, it's behind a paywall. Sure. Um, so there's a, there's a, there's Stripe for taking payments. There right. is this other thing for setting up, uh, you know, any pages and whatever to, to make that happen. And there is a way to link what's called paid memberships pro that's the plugin that that 
admits people once yes. they've paid behind the paywall. Mm-hmm. So there's Paid Memberships Pro and there's Aweber is the email server yes. that I use. I know and um, there is a way to make it so that Paid Memberships Pro and Aweber communicate and know who is in the membership. And that way the poor people in the membership don't get anything about like they the, anything that they don't have to get so if i'm if i'm saying um okay we're leaving beta soon so and i did this for quite a while when we were leaving beta like so if you want to you know now is a great time to jump in because it you're getting a, a great you know post beta forums and stuff like that sure. but but at beta prices and all the people in the in the community see those as well and it's like oh i can't find a way to make it stop so and sure. i've i've tried um i actually ended up locking myself out of my own community while i was trying one day <laughs> i mean i have for somebody like me i've i've actually last year i put my own web my home page in the trash oh really I, by mistake by mistake Oops. and for me that happens because of a uh, because of speech recognition software like they're mm-hmm. they're things that happen there that most people don't have to deal with but anyway sure. i mean so like to have somebody like you <laughs> oh my god that would <laughs> i would sleep so much better at night um and i i just think it's because i didn't realize that you did that i thought that it was more i don't know i think i thought that you more worked with like you you did everything in code you know on your own and you had uh you you really had bigger clients i think maybe mm-hmm. i was thinking and it sounds like you're it's a it's a very approachable company for you know, more people than I thought. Yeah, I think so. And we deal with people who are doing very small websites. Um, but we also have some customers that are that are very large. So mm-hmm. we deal with a customer who um, basically we're handling all of the um, all of the part ordering. We developed a part ordering system uh, for all the Holiday Inn Express locations oh wow you know so and so all of them go into a system that we put together for them to be able to buy that so yeah that's really high end yeah um and they have their own server for it and so forth that we manage but then we have people like i said like these these headband people that it's just a family business yep they decided they wanted to do this um and we host the site that they have and it was a very started out very modest and the thing about something like wordpress that is so important for people is First of all, it, it means that you're not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. So it provides this, again, this rich environment for you to be able to develop in where you get started and you already have all of these various different capabilities. And so, yes, you might have to pay to add on something that's important, you know, like a like a paid memberships program yeah. where it's not something that's necessarily free. But the cost of that is amortized out over all the people that have purchased that software. Whereas if you come to me and say, I'd like you to develop paid memberships pro essentially, I've got to go and do it from scratch and yeah. I can do that. But now you're taking on the entire cost. Of yeah. it. It's going to cost you many thousands of dollars. Whereas the paid memberships pro might cost you a subscription cost and it's not going to be many, many thousands of yeah. dollars. Yeah. So the, the cost of entry into having these capabilities is significantly less than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And so basically what happened was we looked at it and said, we can't continue to do sites where people can't manage them themselves because just about every request for quote that we got said, we want something where we want to be able to manage our own website. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean everybody ends up doing it because we'll put these content management systems in place and then they still ask us to take care of it yep. for them because yep. they just either don't want to or don't have the time to. Yeah. But they know that they can. Yeah. And that's a really important thing well, for the cool. customers. And so yeah. that's really where we've ended up going. And uh, it, it certainly has worked out very well. That's um, awesome. A lot of people really, really like the capabilities and it, it's so well supported because the community of people using WordPress is so enormous. 
Um, yeah. You know, it's used all over the world and there are millions and millions of users. Yeah. And yeah. Having a community like that means that if you do have issues, a lot of times there are people out there that can, can help, help to support you as the developer. Yeah. So yeah. That's a really good thing. Too. That's neat. Yeah. All right. Well, listeners, if you, if you're building a website, you know who to go to. It's Ashdown Technologies. So we, um, we have a friend, our friend Allie, who yes. was one of the people who was looking after Max when he was four months old or mm-hmm. five months old or whatever. Um, and she and I got to talking. Uh, we got to see them over New Year's. And um, what we were talking about was they've had some new computers in their in their home. Right. And she's like, she basically said, I don't know what I would have done without Rich <laughs> because I don't even know how to turn this thing on. Mm-hmm. And so, and we were actually, um, we were on a walk and Ben was there too. And, he, and Ben basically said, you know what? You should have... You should get somebody on the show to talk about this technology thing because there's probably a lot of parents who don't know how to use parental controls or like sure. net nanny or, um, you know, or, or even just how to, God, what do you do when you get it home, you know? Right. And right. so, so uh, I mean, I think we went from you should have somebody to we need rich <laughs> in about like 30 seconds. Right. right. So, um, so I'm so glad you're here today for that. And I, I guess, I don't know. I mean... I think I would probably start with like, what's the first thing a listener should do when they get a new laptop, you know, or or a new piece of a new device, some kind of new tech? Sure, sure. So I think the first thing is to try not to be intimidated by it. By it, yeah. Um, our friend Allison, I uh, think, left her computer in the box for about two weeks she because was that she frightened. was intimidated by yeah. it, and and she just she knew that there was going to be this process of getting it set up. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I would say about it is that. Um, you want to get to the point where you feel comfortable with that with that piece of tech, whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if it's a computer, the whether it be a Mac or if it's a PC or what have you, most of them now are designed to try to guide you through those initial stages. And most of what they're doing there is to try to make you feel comfortable that you've got what you need to have. Mm-hmm. So um, most people have have a sign on that they want to be, that they want to use for the computer and. For the most part, it wants to set up the basic things like uh, making certain that you get regular updates to your computer mm-hmm. and to make certain that the computer is properly um, protected against viruses and that and spyware and that that kind of thing. And for the most part, those devices, the computers will will go through that process. With devices like a, a tablet or a smartphone, mm-hmm. those things can be a little bit different in terms of how they how they deal with things. Uh, they tend to leave it a little bit up to your own discretion, and every manufacturer is a little bit different in terms of what they put on. Um, they put on the particular uh, piece of hardware. Mm-hmm. So I said, I think one of the things that I would say is, take a look at your device, or if, especially if it's something that you know, if it's a new smartphone that you've just purchased from Verizon or AT and T or Sprint or something like that, don't be afraid to talk to the people at one of the stores if you've purchased it at a store and say. You know, what kind of protection does this software, uh, does this piece of hardware come with in terms of, does it have antivirus already put put onto it? Is it going to automatically going to update itself or not? And, and take advantage of the knowledge of the particular people who sold it to you mm-hmm. to ask them those questions and find out. And if you're not comfortable with those with those answers, then do a little bit of research then on the internet. If you feel like there's some level of discomfort, you'll find that there are other people out there that have that same discomfort and will, will offer you um, some decent advice about where it is that you can go to uh, to get help. Find, to, to get answers or to 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 find the things that will help to protect you. So okay, antivirus software. Mm. I mean, words that strike terror into the heart of someone like me or someone like Al. Ben handles our tech. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, 
I understand a little bit of it. That I do feel a lot of trepidation when on my computer I, I see an announcement from Norton that it's got to run some backup or that something isn't, isn't, you know, your computer may not be safe or something like that. It's like, right. oh! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what is... Why is antivirus software important? I think everybody knows what it is. It's it's a way of protecting your computer. It's like a software that will search through your computer files and make sure that everything is safe. But what, like, if you're like, for instance, my dad, who was like, eh, we don't really worry about that, mm-hmm. you know, and then actually they were, their computer was hacked. So yeah. um, I think if, if you, if you start out with the approach that, eh, I'm not going to be the person that gets hit, mm-hmm. it's kind of like leaving your credit card on a table in a public restaurant mm-hmm. um, like a McDonald's yep. and saying, oh, I don't think anybody will write down the number or I don't think anybody will take that and try to use it. Yeah, Maybe they won't, but I wouldn't recommend you it. You wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. So the, the thing about it is this. There are, there are so many different ways of potentially trying to attack a computer. Mm-hmm. And there you hear all of these words. So that you get the, the buzzwords. You hear about malware. You hear about spyware. You hear about uh, viruses. You yeah. hear about Trojans. You hear about worms. And all of them are all lumped under this under this sort of um, attack of your computer. And they're all designed to do one of a couple of different things. Some of the... the the, the simplest ones are designed to basically mess with your computer. They might not be trying to send any information. They might not try to be doing anything. It's kind of like graffiti. They just do it because they can. Mm-hmm. Then there are ones that go all the way through to the things you can hear about on the news, where you hear about ransomware, where your computer is actually locked down, all your files get encrypted, and you have to pay somebody uh, a certain amount of money. Yeah, and it's like blackmail. Yeah, they, it, it's absolutely blackmail. And it's it's clearly highly illegal. Um but it gets ha- it, but it happens anyway, mm-hmm. and so, uh, and the people that want to do this are attempting to do it in a way that makes you as clear as possible that you think you're doing something that is perfectly normal, but it actually isn't, mm-hmm. or they're trying to get you to click on something because you just want to get rid of it off of the screen and you don't because you don't expect it to be coming. Up. Yeah, yeah, and. Which we all see those things. I mean, you see all the time, like, Absolutely. buy my thing. And then you see the little tiny X. So you click on the little tiny that's, X or That's whatever. exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. So uh, inevitably, what they're trying to do is to get you to do something that they want you to do, even though you may think you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so unless you are incredibly savvy and incredibly cautious, the chances are, doesn't matter how good you are, you're going to get... Uh, uh, come across something whereby if you do the wrong thing, you're going to, it's going to mess you up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to think that I'm incredibly savvy about these things. I have still managed to get a computer infected Uh. by clicking on the wrong thing, basically doing the wrong, even though I knew the thing wasn't what I expected it to be. I still clicked on the wrong thing first Yeah, because I just wasn't giving it my full attention. It was at home. It was simple. And it cost me hours of time basically getting rid of it. So, I think anybody that feels like they don't need to have a good anti-malware or antivirus type of software, I, I would say that's not a good way of thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, and I, I, I bet it's not like, oh, I don't, I don't need this. It's more like, oh, it's such a bother, it's such a hard thing. I mean, like what you're basically saying is overcome that because you're otherwise you're you're opening your bank account to the world. Well, that's <laughs> that's right, and and that's those are the worst ones. So uh, if your computer gets infected with something, you simply don't know what it is that it's doing. Yeah. So it could be 
scanning through your computer looking for the information about your bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have what are called key loggers, which basically will go, let's say you go onto your bank website. Let's say you go to Bank of America. You go to bankofamerica.com. What's the next two things you do? You, pr- you put in your username, remember you put in your right. password. Yeah. And that information is being nicely sent along to the person at the other end who uh, says, yeah, oh, yeah. Bank of America, here's the username, here's the password. The next thing you know, they've gotten into your yeah. bank account. So you can't know what it is that they're attempting to do. Yeah. And they're going to do really, they're going to work really hard to make it so that it isn't particularly obvious of what they're, what it is that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So you need, you've got to provide yourself with that protection. Now, the good news is that for the most part, um, the things like Windows 10, which is the current Windows for the PCs, which is what a tremendous number of people have, mm-hmm. comes built in with its own antivirus software um, that's just on by default. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't used to do that. And it's is it the most comprehensive, best one in the world? No, it's not. But it is sort of giving you that basic level of protection. Yeah. Um, uh, it, I sort of picks off the low-hanging fruit yeah. if you will yeah um but if you if you look in something like consumer reports you'll find that all of the free ones and there are a number of other companies who uh, third-party companies who offer free antivirus um or anti-malware uh, packages um the free ones almost inevitably don't give you the same level of protection as a paid mm-hmm. piece of software mm-hmm. um so there's definitely that and even within the paid pieces of software there are levels of quality in which some of them are more comprehensive, some of them are more sensitive to uh, particular pieces of software, yeah. other ones that aren't. So there's that piece of it, and, and I I would say to anybody that that feels that uh, that they're comfortable, um, you definitely need to at least have a free one. Yep. And if you're if you really want to be protected and you don't feel like you're super computer savvy, you really would like to make certain that your protection is as good as it can be. You really ought to investigate a paid piece of software. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, they're a subscription type of service, so usually a year, one year type of subscription yeah, I service. Yeah, that's what we have. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'll reiterate um, again, um, if you don't have it, you've got nothing. Yeah. Uh, you're really, it's and it's like the Wild West out there on the internet. Yeah. And so if you think that you won't get, have something happen, you probably ought to just pull the, pl- the internet plug on that computer. Um, and, and don't, <laughs> don't, u- and don't, don't use it because the chances are that something will get, uh, in there. will get in yeah. there. Even if you don't do anything, yeah. just being on the internet, if you don't keep your computer up to date, if you don't keep your antivirus up to date, that can be as bad as not having them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when your antivirus wants to update itself regularly and you, you tell it not to do that, you're, you're blunting its impact. Yeah. You're blunting its positive effects. What do you know about things like parental settings? So I think it's different for us because our mm-hmm. kids are a little bit older. I know our friend Allie was very thrilled that you could help her with something called Net Nanny, which I think, what does it actually, what does that do first? Just Net Nanny? What does yeah, that do? so there are a couple different ways, but Net Nanny is a piece of software that you put onto a computer. Uh, and essentially what it does is it provides a, a, a level of lockdown in terms of the kinds of, um, the kinds of things that you can do uh, with the computer, mm-hmm. particularly as it, as it pertains to the internet. Does it stop you from going to certain sites or? Yeah. You... Yes, it, yes, it would. Um, and it, it, it has the ability to basically be tiered. So depending on kind of the kind of, the kind of child you might have in your home. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you've got a five-year-old that's going online, you might want to say, I really don't want to let them get to anything. I, I, I want to be very aggressive, even if it blocks some things that would be perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want them to be inadvertently exposed to anything. So I'm, it's making me think of, um, so do you remember Bloom County, the comic? Yes. Yes. Um, 
Berkeley breathed was the was the is the guy's name who does that. And mm-hmm. a, a year or so ago, maybe even less, he um he started doing them on Facebook. Like he just he posted mm-hmm. he just started started it up again on Facebook. And I have lost track. I haven't seen anything about this in a while. But one of the first ones that happened was Opus um is back and now you know the computers are all linked and we got internet and google and stuff like that and so um he's talking to oliver who is the computer geeky little kid who you know he can he's always hacking into fbi files and whatever (laughs) and um so oliver says to him opus is like "Ooh, what's this google and oliver says oh you know type two unrelated words and see what you come up with and the words that opus chooses are nuns and soap And, and Oliver's like, no, no, don't, not that, not that. And like Opus is, you know, traumatized and right, stuff like that. Right, right. Because they are very unrelated, but like in, in <laughs> you don't want to see what you're going to get when no, you type in nuns and so funny. Right. That's right. That's so, right. <laughs> so this is making me think of that a little bit. Um, and our our friend, um, and I feel like uh, uh, people our age, there's a lot of people like something like Net Nanny because they can they can stop their kids from whatever, looking up pornography or... Um, right. Uh, so are there... What if you are a fan of <laughs> something? <laughs> For example, one of my favorite comic books is um is called Saga, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's definitely not for children. It's right. a it's a story of uh, two alien races who are at war, and it's specifically the story of this one couple from each side of this war and they mm-hmm. have a child oh, okay. and um it's a, it's a, it's so great, but it's definitely not not for kids. It's and adult. um yeah. when Max. Max gave me a Christmas present a few years ago, and it was a gift card to our local comic book store, and it was for Mom's quote "dirty space comic." So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I mean, I think as grownups, it's okay to you know see things that are a little bit Absolutely. not okay for children. Absolutely, so, do you no, have different? That's perfectly reasonable. Do you have different layers of? Yeah, so there are there are several different things that you can do. Um, basically, what this software allows you to do is to have a uh, an account. Uh, that allows you to basically control what it is that can and cannot be seen. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, if so, even if one of your children comes to you and says, you know, I really would like to go to this site, it blocks it out. Uh-huh. You can actually go in with an account and you can actually basically, uh, there's essentially what is basically called a whitelist. Yeah. Where you can say, okay, this would normally be blocked, but I'm going to say this site's okay. Okay. Gotcha. And then if you want to, you know, if you're using a laptop, then you can go in there and you can basically unlock the laptop. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like if you have parental controls on your TV, on your cable box, for example, that mm-hmm. you can specify that you won't allow, you won't allow uh, R-rated or NC-17 or, or mature like things on the TV that are rated on those. You can specify you don't want those to be seen without a password. Yeah. It's very similar, very yeah. similar type of capability. Yeah. Yeah, that. got it. Um, and it definitely, uh, it definitely, it, it definitely helps. I think the thing about it is that, and I was thinking about this before we even talked today, is what I would say to people is there is nothing more important than parental vigilance. Uh huh. The, the net nannies. There are other there are other things that you can do outside of, of of a piece of installed software. There are things that you can do with your your internet access, the box that you have on your internet access to. To, to filter certain things. And there are a number of various different pieces of software services out there that offer similar kinds of capabilities, but none of them are a replacement for vigilance. Mm-hmm. And I, what I would say to people is if you have children and they're using devices that, that belong to you because you paid for them, mm-hmm. or if they've got a phone that is something that, that you pay for, um, yeah. that you explain to them that, 
first of all, that having access to these things is a privilege. It's mm-hmm. not a right. Mm-hmm. That at any time, it's reasonable for you to want to say, please hand me the device. I want to look at what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And know that that's possible at any time, whether you think there's something that's happening that's right or wrong. Um, and also, if you do use a piece of software... Um, or if you have a phone, that there are capabilities out there that allow you to track what's happening on that phone mm-hmm. or happening on that computer, where you can actually see what are the websites that they're visiting, what are the uh, what are the searches that they're doing, and so forth. And what do you do? So this is so. I actually have in my notes that I wanted to talk to you about this very specific thing: the idea of mentoring versus monitoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, a couple of months ago, I had on the show a woman named Devora Heitner, who's written a book called Screenwise. Um, mm-hmm. She's she's a researcher. She's been a professor. She's really really interesting woman, and she's done a lot of work with middle school age kids, sure. empathy and technology, mm-hmm. and. Um, so she she helps parents teach their kids things like, you know, you hand your 12-year-old a phone and suddenly they've got access to this whole world. I mean, you don't you don't just hand it to them and say, "Okay, have a good time." Absolutely. You know, like you're going to want to help them through when they when they're suddenly on Instagram or Snapchat or something and they see that their friend is having a party and that they're not invited. Right. You know, there's there's a there's this idea of kind of shepherding almost and 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 making sure that you instill empathy like or a friend who um continue like you're at dinner you know your 12 year old is at dinner and the friend is like where are you where are you where are you where are like you get eight thousand texts and so teaching people that like just because they're not answering doesn't mean that um they don't care about you you know maybe they're at dinner maybe they're they're maybe their parent has you know asked them not to use the phone for the next couple hours and she mentions that um there's this idea of monitoring, which, you know, I think is important. That's that's the parental vigilance side of it. Sure. Um, and But that in addition to that, you want to also be mentoring. And she, she specifically says, you know, when you've got a kid and you say to them, I want you to understand that at any time I can take your phone and I can look at it because I'm paying for it and I'm helping you learn how to navigate this right. world. Right. Um, because I was like, wow, I literally never thought of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've never done that with Max. And then she, she kind of went on to say kids in, are getting younger and younger as they get their first smartphones. Right, absolutely. And she says the one good thing about this, she says in a lot of ways it's really not good because it is the Wild West mm-hmm. and you just never know. Um, but she says the one way that it is good is younger kids are generally a lot more amenable to parental authority. They're going to be like, sure, here you go. Right. <laughs> Have a look. That's that's right. And uh, and the older kids, it's not necessarily that they're doing something bad or wrong. It's that it's theirs. It's private. It's, you know, it's, and I've noticed right. this. There's a, there's a difference in the way that my sons use technology. And I really think it has to do with their ages. One just doesn't want the, the monitoring, you right. know. Um, but he's very amenable to... I, I, you know, even at, even at 16 to mentoring, like to talk about like, what are your struggles with this? Like, what do mm-hmm. you do when somebody, when somebody, you see pictures of a party that you weren't at? Do you have, do you think anybody's ever sad because they're seeing you post pictures of a party that you were at, but they weren't? Sure. I mean, such sure. a different, um, it's such a different world than we grew up in. It's completely different. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's interesting because I went to a seminar at uh, the middle school um, where my boys go to school or where uh, Ethan went to school last year because mm-hmm. he's, he's a freshman this year in, co- in college, in high school. In high school. <laughs> not <laughs> college, please. Not too, um, not too far yet. And, and I was, it was a woman that was talking about technology and both the, both the positives and the negatives. And I went up to her afterwards and I was thanking her and we got into a little bit of a conversation about the various different things. And I basically asked her, I said, you know, where is the, 
where's the research on the impact of, of dealing with all of this technology? Where is it at? And she said, we don't really have, we don't have anything definitive. She said, we're studying it. A lot of people in academia are studying the impact of children continual. and, and con continual access in the way that it is. But the bottom line is, Everybody feels like smartphones have been around for a long time. The iPhones, the first iPhone was introduced in 2008. Yeah. Early in 2000, early 2017. 17. I mean, that's not, it's, it's that's not even a decade. A, yeah. It's... Before that, you look and watch a movie from 2005 or 2006 and a flip phone with a regular keypad and not even color was, was pretty much the standard. Yeah. And so, yeah. Or, or certainly very much what everybody had. And yeah. so. And the idea of having access to the internet was like having a slow modem. And so yeah. there's this radical shift in the way that things are dealing with it. Yeah, And even adults so are having trouble dealing with the with the constant connectivity. Yeah. Um, so expecting a, a 10 or 11-year-old who is certainly far from being a mature adult yeah. uh, to understand all of the boundaries and the amount of, the amount of, uh, the amount of broadcast that you're doing when you're using these devices. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the things, you know, one of the things that we talk to our kids about is don't say things in a group uh, or on a social network that you wouldn't put out in the front yard on a big sign. Yeah. Because you might feel like it's not something that everybody sees, but it must, it, you have to assume that it will be. Yeah. Yeah. And so is. if you say something unpleasant about somebody and you say it to one person, don't expect that that just wasn't like a phone conversation yeah. where once that, sound traveled into their ear it's gone forever yeah it's out there it's it's it is it's out there and like that's that's how a lot of people get in trouble um you know divorce i just happened to go to a presentation of hers the other night which was so cool i got to meet her she's from chicago so mm -hmm. it, it was very coincidental that she was here sure um and she was saying that we could not imagine being in a group chat of like 30 or 40 people, but our kids, that's, that's one of the ways that they totally socialized. And so Absolutely. if, if dad got a new job and no one is supposed to know about it and you put it into the text and then it gets back to so-and-so who works at the same company that they're currently working for, now there's trouble. Absolutely. If, if, you know, if somebody's going to have another baby or just lost a, you know, if something terrible has happened and, and you're broadcasting it before anybody is really ready for it, um, that's something that we didn't have to kind of think about growing up and yeah. it's, but it is, it's very real for them. Yeah. Private. You know? I think basically the way that we talk to our boys about, about anything is assume that nothing that you put into anything that's online is anything private. digital. Yeah. Just assume that it's not yeah. private. Assume that it will be public information. Yeah. Even if you don't expect that it will be, think about it as though, as though it will. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's not an easy thing to get your head around. Because when you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, whether it be by text or whether it be by voice, you tend to think of it as a private conversation. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it absolutely doesn't. Especially have to stay digital, that way. especially written. You know, I mean, like if you see yeah. it in print, or and something. it's it's persistent. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the thinking about all the various different social networks and Snapchat particularly is is popular with young people because of the fact that they can say something and it supposedly disappears. Mm -hmm. And my son was actually telling me that um, they were having, they had a seminar about it in school. And they said, you realize that even though it might disappear from on your app, that Snapchat's required by the government to hang on to this, this information for seven years. Mm -hmm. And so they have all of that information. And he said, there are a whole bunch of very white faced ashen looking <laughs> kids in, this, in the class because they assumed that once it was gone, it yeah. was gone. Yeah. And that's why I said to them, I said, even something that's designed to be that way, yeah. assume that it's not. And it's all hackable. I mean, whether or not it's 
the government, you know, keeping it or if it's kept for the like those kind of purposes, if it's if it exists, it's hackable and then anybody can get their hands on it. Yeah. So I feel like that's that's going to be really good information for listeners in a couple of years. But um, I guess I want to end. I'm really so glad we've had so much. We've had a lot of time today. And Absolutely. this is um, this has been really, really great. But I think I want to kind of end on like, do you have suggestions or ideas for for parents of young kids, say 10 and under, um, that will help them? Just in general with technology, I mean, sure. I feel like a, they could have so many problems, you know, or so many concerns from from YouTube to <clears throat> to to texting to their kids reading or seeing something that they don't necessarily wish that they had or whatever. I mean, like, what what comes up for you when you think about advice for those for you know listeners with young kids? Sure, for the little ones, absolutely. Well, um, there are kind of two sides to that equation. One of them is that a lot of times parents want to actually limit the amount of use. Yeah, a child can have, and a lot of times they're busy with their own lives, and suddenly they realize their child's been on, on the device for three or four hours. Yeah, and yeah. the longer they're on there, the more likely they are to start digging deeper into things that you might not have otherwise intended. Yeah. So, um, to answer the the primary part of the question, I think that if you unless you you have really two choices in that area, either you do it as a as a um, together project. If you mm-hmm. will, in oh, you, you'd like to watch something on YouTube. All right, let's watch it together. The way that you might have done previously, if you were watching a TV show, where you'd have an opportunity to sort yeah. of say, "Okay, well, this is Sesame Street. This is okay. Okay. Oh, well, this is the Twenty Four. This is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> this is definitely not okay. And you, so you would have had that opportunity to do that previously by by sort of previewing, even if you didn't watch the whole thing, by mm-hmm. kind of getting a sense of it, knowing how long it was going to be, and so forth. Um, and so. Maybe when with little kids being prepared to to do it together, um, so there's there's that aspect of it. Uh, it depends on the age of the child, obviously, but I think that there is a certain amount of understanding, and there tends to be a, a some pattern recognition and some emulation that little children will do. So mm-hmm. if you do a particular thing in a particular way, they're likely so will to, they. they will continue to do that. Um, they're very big into emulating you, so that's obviously important. Um, I do think a piece of software or a piece of hardware or service that helps to basically pick off that long hanging fruit again. Something yeah. like a net nanny, um, especially for the littler children. So that even if they Google nuns and soap, they don't see what you don't want them you to see. Hopefully, they hopefully <laughs> don't. They hopefully don't. Um, and, and those things are difficult. Um, there's nothing that's perfect. But if you want to be certain that they don't do something that's inadvertent, that they had no intention to do anything yeah, negative, yeah. but it simply was the way that it, that's just the way that it was, that they end up uh, not being exposed yeah. to something that causes them a lot of psychological stress yeah, yeah. and a lot you a lot of, you know, soul searching after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, there's really, there's the classic, which I love, um, just the, the reminder to, to be with your child, to, to experience this with them. You know, um, let them show you their favorite YouTuber or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's also, what can you do to prevent something something that you don't want to have happen whether it's a hacker right or um you know or or, or a, a malware of some sort that they just they just clicked into and they didn't realize they, what they, they were doing realize it. yeah um and then also like what can you prevent in terms of trauma to them personal sure, kind of sure. trauma so one of the things that is really interesting <laughs> is as far as devices are concerned is that windows computers PCs mm-hmm. are still by far and away the the most targeted devices, and so uh, the chances of somebody getting something 
unpleasant on one of those if you clicked on it is way, way higher than it might be, let's say, if you had a, uh, a tablet or something like that. Okay. So a computer versus a to even versus, an Android device. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's yep. exactly right. And so one of the things that you might you might look at, and there are a number of them out there that are that are actually targeted for children's use now, mm-hmm. um, is basically they're relatively low cost. Uh, is a is a child's focus tablet. Oh, cool. Um, and a lot of times they come with big rubbery bumpers because they know kids drop things. Yeah, yeah. But they're still run by Android, and they can still go onto YouTube or they can still do things. But the the device is specifically designed to be in the hands of a child. And while I'm, I don't want to give anybody the impression that if you just use an iPad or you just use one of these devices that you're, you're absolutely safe, they are not the targets or they have not classically been the targets that a Windows PC has been. And is that because they have such stronger like anti-hacking? Like there's why a, is that? There's a little bit of that. So the thing about a Windows PC... Uh, and Macs too, but Macs have, Macs have always had such a small part of the the market share in mm-hmm. terms of computers mm-hmm. um, that Windows was the Windows was the big target. It was a very large target. So there were a couple of things. First of all, Microsoft didn't do a very good job of securing their hardware and their soft well their software, not their hardware. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, you can put on to a Microsoft PC anything that you want to that was written by anybody from any source that you like. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go on to a uh, let's say an iPad that's made by Apple, you can't, you can't go and buy things from, you can't go and just find something on a third party website and install it on the computer yeah. that might, may or may not be any good. Yeah. You have to get everything through the through iTunes. Yep. You have to either go through the app store. If you want a podcast, you have to go through their one podcast exactly. app. You have to go through iTunes music. Now, it, that's right. So music. what's happening there is that you essentially have got a very um, valuable vetting service that's yeah. looking at software and looking at content and making certain that it isn't malicious, yeah. that it isn't of the wrong, uh, that it hasn't been tagged in the wrong way, that it's for kids when it's actually a very much an adult thing yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. Um, and so you have to depend upon a corporation, in this case, Apple, telling you that this is okay. Yeah. Or in the case of Android, Google Play is the is the source of these things. Yeah. But you can't, not any old person can simply just throw these things up onto onto the app store and have anybody download. Them. Yeah, there's a there's a process. There's to a go process. Yeah. And so there is a level of protection in that. Yeah. And these devices are not so all purpose as a PC is. And so the narrower the focus, the easier it is to assure that things are well protected. I love that. Yeah. So that's definitely a consideration. Yeah. Now, again, I don't want to give anybody the impression that everything's foolproof. There are yeah. still security updates for Android. There are absolutely security updates for iOS. These things are all pro- programmed by humans. Humans are fallible. Humans make mistakes. And so you have to anticipate that there are that there is always a potential for a security risk. Yeah. But I think I would say that in general terms, if you'd like to give your kids access to something, there are a lot of very low cost tablets out there now, and Amazon makes a a tablet, for example, that I think costs fifty or sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. The, the point of entry on an iPad is a lot higher. Yeah. Um. But these kids based ones are also very low cost. Yeah. yeah. Um. Which also means if they do happen to get damaged or destroyed, you also haven't shelled out almost yeah, five or so six or seven hundred dollars. Yeah. I remember. Um, I'm fondly remembering the first time that my nephew uh, took my brother's iPhone and flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, I learned a couple of years ago. My first Apple device was an iPod four. Yeah, and uh, my kids had it for the weekend, and we went over to to my parents, and 
uh, unbeknownst to me because they were the kids were absolutely you know flabbergasted they'd done it my younger son accidentally dropped it in the toilet and my uh, my father was good enough to do the whole process of drying it out and making certain with the was, rice and everything yeah, yeah. We, we, we were away for a couple of days and uh, it turned out to be all a, a complete non-issue but oh good this thing, yeah and so it was okay and that's it's amazing okay. that that works yeah it's uh it is good but yeah. um uh, you know going back to the heart of the matter it it definitely is a um a riskier thing to give your children, let's say, a laptop and just let yeah, them Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because of the fact that uh, particularly Microsoft is so much more of a target. Um, and, and it's been perennially that, but it's also just because there are so many more um, Microsoft PC-based PCs out there than there are anything else. Yeah, yeah. And when um, I think about the times that we've struggled, like um, remembering Max downloaded a Minecraft skin one time yeah. that turned out to be... Uh, malware of some sort yeah. and so it was, it was hours of ben's time to try and figure out why poor max he felt so bad you know yeah and it, of course no child is going to be downloading or clicking on things that is going to install malware or a virus on purpose yeah and yeah and, of course but because they're they're targeted to be in exactly that way yeah yeah um yeah. and anything that's popular the more popular something is the bigger of a target yeah. it becomes yeah and so something like minecraft where it's got you know, millions and millions of people that are interested in it. Yeah, because um, it's awesome. <laughs> it's cool, but it's also very techy. So yeah, true. I'm sure if you have uh, listeners that have children that are into Minecraft and have come up and asked them if they can put a mod on there. Oh my God, the word mod the strikes mod word, terror. It, yeah, well, I'm technical and it strikes terror into my head as well because <laughs> I know the process, But they're, and they're so invested in it. It's yeah, so important to them. They is. really, they've seen this thing. They Maybe they saw yeah. the YouTube video and yeah. it's so important to them to have it. Um and so I guess the other thing I would say is know your limitations. Yes. You know, if you think that it's something that is really beyond you, it's probably better to not do it at all yep. and let your children know, you know, this is just not something I'm capable of doing Yeah. than to try to do it because inevitably you either open could, up something you didn't mean to, yep. you end up breaking Minecraft entirely. Yeah. And it, this this is true of just about any piece of software. Yeah. Um, yeah. Know your limitations. Yeah. Don't, don't try to overextend beyond what it is that you're capable yeah. of. And it's so, I mean, I, I, you encounter this resistance from the kids who are just like, but it's so easy. You just blah, 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 blah. And then you're realizing that they don't really know what they're talking about either. Right. And so for, for us parents to be like, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not capable of this you can still play Minecraft, but it's going to have to be this other way. And right. like, that's, I think one of the great things about saying no, when only when you have to is like your kids, this is what I found anyway, is that your kids are like, they're better about it. I mean, I, I would do this for you if I could, instead of, yeah. instead of, um, like I try to teach, you know, that you, you try to make no sound like yes, mm -hmm. as, as often as you can. So, you know, can I have dessert, you know, before dinner? Uh, well, actually, but can I have dessert before dinner? You, you can't, you're not going to say yes to that. But like, can I have dessert? <laughs> you can say, yep, right after dinner. Can right. I have some ice cream right after dinner, right. whatever. And um, if you try to think about the way that you, the way that you interact with your kids and, and you, you genuinely, sometimes there are just natural consequences to like they want this so desperately and they can't, they just are not going to be able to have it. Right. You can sympathize with them. And then now you're not the bad guy. You know what sure. I mean? And um, even though you may feel sad that they can't have this mod, it's much better that they can have Minecraft. That's right. Know. And I think explaining to them, you know, no, no in a vacuum feels punitive yes. in certain situations. Yeah. Yeah. No with a, the reason that I can't do this is because. Yeah. And be honest with them. I yeah. Mean, if you don't, there's some games where it's really simple. 
with Minecraft, it's not. And yeah. so, you know, yeah. in, in, for children that, that it's really important to them, okay, well, you know, maybe maybe you have an uncle or maybe you have a friend who mm-hmm. might be able to help them with that. And a lot of people end up knowing somebody who is like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and say, okay, you know what, we can't do this, but maybe the next time we see so and so, or maybe I'll ask so and so if they can. If they yeah, can. that's now, a, that's totally a way of saying yes, saying it, it, no, but but making it sound but like yes. That's right. Know. And basically, you're saying you're under, you're you're acknowledging that it's important, and you're acknowledging that if you could do it, you would, but. There are only certain people who aren't available right now yeah. that might be able to help you with yeah. this. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're right. The people on YouTube are doing this all the time. They're going to make it sound really simple, mm-hmm. which means the kids are going to think it's really it's so simple. simple. Yeah. Um, and understanding that that might be simple for the guy who does Minecraft and and does all these videos every day. It's it is simple for yeah. him because he does it every day. Yeah. Um, and explaining to them all, you know, imagine if you didn't do something. You've never done something before, and now you're being asked to do it. How would you know how to go about yeah, it? Yeah, versus it right back to empathy. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's it's understanding things on the other side. Yeah, and you know we've always taken the tack of of with our kids. Doesn't matter what the story is, um, trying to make certain that they understand why things are the way they are. Yeah. Sometimes you need a child to understand no quickly because of the situation. Yeah. But there are lots of other times where it's it isn't no because I said so. It's no because there's a good reason. There's a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I think that's a pretty good way of evaluating whether what you're saying to them is reasonable or not. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I feel like I love to, I'd love to wrap it up there because we've really, I mean, we started out kind of talking about things like empathy and, and how you were raised and, and how that kind of impacts on the way that you're raising your kids and mm-hmm. um, the decisions that we parents make and how we can communicate them to the children. I mean, it's really like, do you, do you, did you ever know that Steve Jobs, I believe it was Steve Jobs, um, took courses in things like calligraphy when he was in college no and and the reason i feel like that was in his biography and the Mm -hmm. reason that i that it's brought up a lot is because we have like all those fancy calligraphy script type things on our computers because steve jobs took this calligraphy class that was completely unrelated to anything else Mm -hmm. just something he was interested in and i feel like you you earlier said well i mean I, i majored in psychology and so that you know that maybe has a little bit of a you know, it impacts on my job and my life a little bit, but I, I would argue that maybe it, it does more than you think, mm-hmm. you know, because, um, cause I know you to be such a, such a thoughtful and a person with a lot of empathy. And, um, thank and you. I just, well, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show, for my sharing pleasure. all this with, um, you know, with listeners and, um, it's just been great. Yeah. I've I, enjoyed I really... it. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Rich Stearman of Ashdown Technologies. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you. It's good. Good to be here with you. So, listeners, get in touch with me if you have a if you have a question for Rich. So, I didn't actually ask you, Rich. Um, is that all right? Like, if if uh, if somebody's got a question for you, could you want to filter it through me? Yeah, that'd <laughs> okay. be great. Absolutely. That's cool. All right. So, I mean, sometimes we do. Sometimes um, listeners will be like, "Hey, I'm really curious about this aspect of that or whatever." And, sure. Um, sure. So, if anybody gets, please, listeners, get in touch with me if you have a question for Rich. Um, you can do that by going to weturnoutokay.com slash contact blah, blah, blah. that's we turned out okay.com slash contact i'm reading now so <laughs> it's always harder for me to read than just talk sure. and i want to say thank you for listening i do appreciate it so much that you've got rich and i in your ears right now i have a special thanks today to our producer the man who knows so much more than i do about technology and computers uh, and he's teaching me so much about them so the 19 time winner of the husband of the year award benjamin Culp. thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. 
I want a date to Australia. Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com, where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. I want to pee in the woods. Theater, 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 theater,